0: This is the Lombardi Line with Ben Wilson and Mike Pritchard
4: on v Hey everybody and welcome in. It's another edition of the Lombardi Line. We're presented as always by BetMGM as we're set up live downtown in Las Vegas at our Circus Sportsbook Studios. Mike Pritchard, former NFL wide receiver. He's back on the show today. I'm Ben Wilson. What a difference uh, 24 hours make. Right? I know. When you were out yesterday, <laughs> our compatriot Matt Humans and I were having a discussion as to where would Tom Brady play next? Okay. Well, the answer is none of the above because he <laughs> retires. And it's just funny how we go from last year thinking there's no way Tom Brady ever plays again. Right. He comes back for another season with Tampa to now this year. Oh, he's, he's still got it. He's got to play again. And now... No longer. Uh, how, how surprised were you to see that today?
5: Well, I mean, uh, yeah, you wake up with that kind of news, right? So the A, B, and then the C option, which C option is going to be retire uh, yeah. for Tom Brady. Uh, remarkable, remarkable career. I mean, that was my initial thoughts. And uh, I've been there. You know, when, when your career is over or you feel like it's over, uh, there's no going back. You know, I, I think what we saw play out with Tom Brady uh, last year is that people around him was telling him to retire or wanting him to retire, but he wasn't done yet. You know, and, and Tom Brady, he stated this a long time ago that I can play till age 45. Well, he played till age 45. Uh, and I think inside, in, in internally, for Tom Brady, he's like, okay, that's it. You know, there, there's nothing else out there for me to chase. There is one thing there. I mean, he could have been uh, the first person to play for three different teams and, and win the Super Bowl, right? But. Is that realistic? Can he do that in one year again? Is, there, is it is it a perfect situation? Right. And I think Tom Brady evaluated that. Uh, I think he really did, and and he probably came to the conclusion that nope, uh, I can't do that in one year. So uh, instead of continue, uh, instead of try to chase it, uh, I know I can still play. Um, it, it's time to go ahead and uh, take off the cleats. Uh, and and so for that guy to say that it was impactful. Uh, but, you know, worldwide, everybody's collectively saying what a career that guy had.
4: Oh, no question. And, and the thing now, it's funny how so many people were saying, and the odds actually reflected this. Tampa Bay, for him to return to the Bucks was still presented pretty favorably in the odds <laughs> board. It right. opened the favorite, which seemed ludicrous when you considered all the issues that happened down the back end of the season, the firing of Byron Leftwich as an offensive coordinator. Mm-hmm. And yet, at the same time, he still was one of the favorites, even after developments over the past couple weeks. As we talked about yesterday, 49ers, Raiders were the top two short shots and then the Buccaneers, even for Brady to return. So you still have to wonder, all right, what's next now for Tampa? Even though you and I both would have presumed no way he's coming back. Uh, but this is a team that's in the middle of interviewing offensive coordinators mm-hmm. who does not have a legitimate quarterback on the roster unless you want to count Blaine Gabbert or Kyle Trask. Uh, and so it was sort of the, the inevitable that we figured it would happen. But while all the discussion right now is on the actual Brady retirement, we definitively do now know that this is a complete rebuild for Tampa. Right. No Super Bowl odds are available as of right now for next year on the Bucs, but needless to say, Pritch, they are going to be in that long shot uh, category.
5: Yeah, I mean, you know, you, you can c- kind of connect the dots uh, a little bit. You know, there's going to be some prominent offense coordinators out there. Uh, one in particular uh, comes to mind immediately uh, that could accelerate some things out there in Tampa would be, you know, Eric Bieni. Uh, he's in his final contract year um, with... Kansas City, and if they won a the Super Bowl he's going to be sought after yeah you know in term, in terms of uh, a coordinator spot for sure I mean I, I think he still has um, desires to be a head coach, but those jobs are filling up right now and uh, we'll see what happens but I, I mean if you were looking for a particular quarterback with a skill set and, and okay you're maybe looking to do something different more creative uh, there's a there's a brain trust right there that could help out Tampa Bay immediately I think mm-hmm. The,
4: the So far, there have been six who have uh, interviewed for that Bucks offensive coordinator position. Mm-hmm. And it's not like they inspire a, a whole lot of confidence. <laughs> Clint right. Kubiak, who, who took oh. over play calling at the end of the doomed Broncos season last year, he is interviewed. If you look at some of the outside names, like a, a Todd Munkin, who is the yeah. Georgia offensive coordinator, that's been one of those trendy names to maybe make the leap from the college game. But some of the other names... You have the Bengals and Giants quarterback coaches, neither of whom I never had heard of before, right. Dan Pitcher and Shay Tierney. Mm-hmm. And then there's Jim Bob Cooter, who's just been one of those <laughs> moving you know, moving nomads
5: around who the league. Who can forget him? They, right? You cannot forget uh, Jim
4: Bob Cooter. <laughs> <laughs> Lastly, Jaguars passing game coordinator, Keenan McCardell, viewed as a yeah. bright, young, up-and-coming coach. Last, the wide receivers coach for the Vikings. Uh, it's all, all of which is to say, this was a Tampa team that, without Tom Brady, right. we would probably have won, what? Five, six games this past season.
5: Well, I have it right here. Football perspective had this on Twitter. Um, the Bucks went 32 and 18 with Brady as a starter. Uh, that's 64 percent winning percentage. Uh, without him, Tampa has a 39 percent winning percentage. You know, the Patriots uh, with Tom Brady, uh, 219 and 64 as a starter. Uh, 77% winning percentage without him. New England has a 49, uh, percent winning percentage. So we're talking all time, all time. I mean, it just defines the guy, but yeah, I mean, what you're saying about Tampa is true. I mean, they're not going to get back to that level, not that quickly anyway. And, and so, uh, you know, moving forward from a betting perspective, I mean, I, I, I don't know where they go. I mean, that division was horrible too. Uh, And the only reason why Tampa won that division probably is because of Tom Brady, uh, certainly. So, um, and that's with a makeshift offensive line. That's with um, falling, things crumbling around him on the outside with weapons, and then defensively, all the injuries too. So, um, yeah, that that division is horrible. Maybe up for grabs, though.
4: Right. Is it really a stretch to think that the Buccaneers... In the, in the coming years, at least next year, are going to resemble what Todd Bowles' New York Jets look like in the mid-2010s. <laughs> Zero offense. Right? Still pretty good defense yeah. behind a defensive coach uh, and and a team that really never gets close to competing. That's how I, that's how I look at it. Yeah,
5: yeah. I mean, offseason's going to be very, very interesting for that division. I mean, Tampa, we talked about them. The new coach, uh, Frank Reich, now at Carolina. Uh, the Saints, what are they going to do at quarterback? That kind of thing. I mean, the Saints they seem like they're the closest than anybody uh, in that division. Atlanta, what is Atlanta going to do? You know, from a quarterbacking standpoint, right? And uh, could they accelerate anything, any kind of situation that way? But yeah, Todd Bowles is probably going to go go back in time uh, with that franchise right now. Uh, Something that we saw up there in New York
4: resurrecting is going to be a big uh, big task there (laughs) and again the reason why we're having this discussion if if you missed it from earlier this morning Tom Brady officially announcing his retirement we'll get into maybe some of the the dots connecting and and about the Sean Payton Mm -hmm. hiring from one of your former teams by the Broncos in a second in case you missed it though here was the video from this morning Brady officially announcing his retirement at uh, 45 years old
5: Good morning guys I'll get to the point right away
4: I'm retiring for good my competitors Uh, I could go on forever there's too many um thank you guys for allowing me to live my absolute dream I wouldn't change a thing love you all there we go all right Tom Brady officially (laughs) retiring. I'll say uh, say this for him is greatest of all time seven-time Super Bowl champion right there have been so many examples over the years Mike and I'm I'm sure you can speak to this more than anybody like when you're a professional athlete how hard it is to walk away At le- well, there were some flaws there. Probably hung on like a year too long yeah. after announcing his attir- retirement originally. At least he, Reese, had the understanding that it was it was time and you the longer you hang on we saw this happen to brett Favre. you're only tarnishing oh, your legacy the more mm-hmm. you try to chase and hang on and, and go after one more title yeah
5: there's no tarnishing that though no way <laughs> I mean, no way no what it, brady did unquestionable yeah i mean brett Favre was something different and you know this i mean he retired unretired retired un- i mean all these kind of things and you know people around him maybe force him but um yeah when, when it's out your system it's out your system i mean i remember when john elway retired uh, it's not that he could not play Uh, It's just the commitment to get your body ready mentally and physically to play another season. Uh, It just wasn't there, you know, and at some point that kind of runs out. And, you know, Tom Brady, I think he goes back to his goal, his stated goal that I want to play Tom 45 years old. I think I can play Tom 45. Uh, And he did that. Uh, What else is there to chase, though? I mean, because ultimately for people like this, Ben, the goats and and the greatest of all time uh, when it comes to any sport, they're always chasing something there's always something out there uh, that motivates them. And and I I think, uh, you know, if you're Tom Brady, he probably came to the conclusion that there's nothing else. And what stands out to me though, is the way he did it. Like he wasn't at the podium, maybe there's time for this at the podium with Tampa or then eventually at the podium with New England, he'll probably retire as a Patriot, I think, right? And so um, go into the hall of fame as a Patriot or who knows what Tom Brady's gonna do that way. But he wanted to deliver his message his way Uh, And and I think that was important considering all the leaks that uh, took place and kind of tarnished Mm -hmm. that situation for him last year. Uh,
4: Leaks, rumors, even going into this year. I I wonder if we're connecting dots here. Because we're Mm going to get into the Sean Payton hiring for Denver. Your thoughts, impact on what this means now for the Broncos going forward. A lot of rumors and and reports coming out over the past couple months that Brady was most interested in reuniting with Payton. Sean Payton is hired by the Denver Broncos shortly after we went off the air on Lombardi line yesterday. Less than 24 hours later, Tom Brady announces his retirement. Is that just a coincidence, or do you think once that once that natural progression was cut off, and Peyton made his decision to go to Denver, that that was kind of the one thing Brady was holding out for to potentially reunite with somebody?
5: Yeah, I mean, he can slide into that Fox role immediately now, too. I mean, if we're connecting all of the dots, like I've heard,
4: he gets a few million.
5: Uh, yeah, about 300, like, I think. Right? About and, yeah, uh, a few. So yeah, I mean, you you start preparing for that you know, if that's your next career uh, path or or choice, but it's hard to say whether playing with Peyton would have yielded a championship that that same year. I mean, it's so much about championships and Super Bowls for that guy, I believe uh, more so. I mean, he's got every record out there, right? I mean, it's not about the numbers and all that. It's about championships. And uh, I, I think the fit in Tampa with Mora, with B.A., Bruce Arians, mm-hmm. with Leftwich the fact that he could bring his own offense. I mean, all that was so comfortable for Tom, and that's why he landed right. in Tampa. It, it's, it's hard to conclude that that next location with Sean Payton was going to be that successful.
4: Ultimately, only Brady knows, and it's nice for his sake. We don't have to have any more conjecture and rumors and leaks or or whatever. Uh, We still have a lot more to get to, though, on the show, because speaking of the Denver Broncos and their new hiring, we'll get into that starting next. Benjamin Albright, Broncos insider, will join the show as we're just getting started right here on the Lombardi Line.
0: If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick
1: to start listening
0: you're listening to the Lombardi line on v with Ben Wilson and Mike Pritchard.
4: it is time to download Nevada's premier sports betting app at MGM sports BetMGM is all of your favorite wagering options along with in-game betting boosted odd specials and much more Download the BetMGM app today and stop by any MGM casino on the Strip with your state-issued ID to open an account and start placing sports bets from anywhere in Nevada. Whatever your sport, whatever your betting style, you're going to love BetMGM's state-of-the-art technology and fan-friendly specials every day of the week. Visit BetMGM for terms and conditions. Must be 21 or older and physically located in Nevada. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. Well, if it was not for Tom Brady's retirement this morning, Mr. Pritchard, uh, we would have led with one thing and one thing only on the show. It would have mm-hmm. been the... Denver Broncos hiring Sean Payton right. as the next head coach. Uh, give up a, a pretty healthy sum to get Payton, and now we now though we're able to circle back after uh, we open the show talking Tom Brady. Just how did this all happen? What is next now for Denver? We'll get your thoughts in a second here. The former Bronco Mike Pritchard, but to uh, help us out, let's bring in Benjamin Albright, who's an outstanding Broncos insider there for KOA Colorado. I think you know uh, you know Pritch. You guys talk from time to time, yes, right? Uh, thanks for joining us here. <laughs>
6: Yeah, I know, Prince. That's uh,
4: that's the hardest working man in radio. Love, <laughs> I would, I, I, you're totally right on that. We should give that moniker officially to Mike <laughs> hardest working man in radio. So with the news coming out late yesterday, it's funny. Uh, we were doing a, a segment on this show uh, with Matt Humans was here, uh, and we're saying, okay, for, at this point for Denver, what's next, right? Like you would have probably hired Sean Payton already. At least that was our perspective. If, if, if that was going to be a reality earlier in the process we were coming up on February 1st, how did it work that Peyton was actually the guy now? And why did it take so long to actually get him?
6: Well, I think it's because they circled back around to him because he wasn't the top target. He was, he was the third target they went after that company line is going to be a little different. You'll see the PR spin because that's what teams do. But, uh, reality was they went, they were going to take a big swing and, you know, Jim Harbaugh was a leader in the clubhouse early. Um, and, you know, they, that really was the apple of their eye. Uh, and I think that they probably would have had Jim Harbaugh if they'd made him the guy after the after the virtual interview. But instead, they kind of intimated him. They wanted to go through the process and, uh, you know, and all that kind of stuff. And Harbaugh was like, look, I'm, I'm Jim Harbaugh. I've had success everywhere I've gone. Um you know, either you're going to make me the guy and then you know handle the Rooney Rule stuff, or you know at the end of the day I'm going to be, uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to go back to Michigan, which is if they offer me the money, which is where my heart is. And um, you know, I think he, he kind of pointed out, look, I've got a got a track record of success everywhere. Um, you know, you either make me the make me the guy, or you could, you're welcome to go interview Jim Caldwell and David Shaw, but we'll see how that goes for you. And that's kind of what happened. You know, I think they they kind of called this bluff went through the process, and and uh, and then they in desperation tried to fly back out there and get him. And couldn't get him. Then they pivoted to D'Amico Ryans, um, who they had a very good interview with. Uh, a lot of people around the league view him as kind of the next Mike Tomlin in terms of how he is with players and, and, and being a coach. And, um, and you know, they, they thought that they were going to make a move on him. Well, D'Amico Ryans got upset that they flew out secretly to Michigan while they're talking with him. Uh, and So he's like, well, if I'm not the guy, then I'll just go to Houston. So, <laughs> so he tells him he's going to Houston. That puts him in a bind, and then all of a sudden you're circling back around on Sean Payton.
5: You know, Benjamin, um, before we get to what Sean Payton presents and with the Russell Wilson aspect of everything, uh, what about the competency of this ownership group, though? Because they also leaked out a mystery candidate and all of this stuff uh, uh, before they uh, inked Sean Payton to a deal. Uh, And it's like, okay, George Payton, there's a lot of Paytons out there in Denver, by the way, uh, he's the GM now. You got you bring in this brain trust and Sean Payton. I mean, from an ownership standpoint, because we, as betters, we we want to know this information. Uh, the competency, though, uh, currently uh, of the ownership uh, in the situation out there in Denver.
6: Well, that needs to be seen. I mean, it's invested in saying uh, they, they rolled out about half a million dollars to do a field uh, a re- uh, the field for the last game of the season against the Chargers. A meaningless game. They weren't going to you know go anywhere. So they you know certainly they're willing to put their money. I guess in terms of being actually competent, that that remains to be seen. They've gone out and they've got Sean Payton. That probably necessitates a change with George Payton down the line. Uh, We'll see. Uh, And I think George Payton is a fantastic general manager. Uh, But, you know, I mean, this this ownership group has been aggressive, but I'm not sure all their aggression has been good. They were the ones who wanted to accelerate the timeline to pay Russell Wilson, not George Payton, uh, and 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 that's why they got that big contract before Russ had ever hit the field. George Payton wanted to wait, and so you know, George Payton, the class guy that he is, isn't going to get out public. But you know, that, that that's what happens there. So this ownership group, I don't know. They've got a ton of money, mm-hmm. uh, but I and and they want to be aggressive and they want to win. But in terms of competency, I mean, you know, you can have a lot of money and and then not win. Look like at Dan Snyder.
4: Yeah, that's a very fair point. Uh, point. Before we get into the last thing here, Benjamin, before we get into the actual how do do we view Peyton working with Russell Wilson going forward? Now, there were the dueling insider reports. You look at NFL Network, ESPN, one saying that there was like it was a thing where D'Amico Ryan's eventually they went back to him late. as kind of like a a last gasp effort after it was already pretty much presumed he was taking the Texans job. Then uh, it was Adam Schefter from ESPN who says, no, it was just coincidental. Uh, What what was the truth uh, in that from what happened yesterday in the final hours?
6: Well, um, I can't verify that personally that they talked to Ryan's yesterday, but I can verify that they did go back to him late in the process, try to go back to him after he rebuffed them. Uh so I would say that Ian Rat- and Eden Rath Report's timeline of things exactly matches what uh, uh what I had been putting out the entire time. So I you know, I can vouch for most of that. The idea that it's coincidence that that sounds a little company line ish, and that's no disrespect to Adam Sheffer, who's one of the best out there. Uh but there are if you look at the Broncos beat reports, there are several reports where the verbiage is exactly the same, uh, you know, pushing back against that. And so that what that tells me as the team's pushing something out for for Mm -hmm. public relations sake. Totally fair. Yeah,
5: Yeah, absolutely fair. Okay, Benjamin, let's get to the X's and O's here. Um, They brought in Sean Payton apparently to fix Russell Wilson. Uh, Even if they fix Russell, the offensive line, that uh, situation, the running back situation, uh, and then defensively, uh, from a coordinator standpoint, uh, where are the Broncos going to go from here now that Sean Payton's the head coach?
6: Well, they're negotiating with Vic Fangio. Um, We'll see if he gets brought back as the defensive coordinator would require some smoothing over in the locker room. Um, I think there are some players that were not happy with him that he was given the ouster, so uh, I, I think that would require some, some fence mending. It's a bridge building. Um, in terms of uh, you know other ways they could go, I mean I guess they could keep uh, uh, Averill, but he's not really uh, thrilled with with the way things have transpired here, and I think he wants out. So that will probably be ultimately acquiesced to. Uh, in terms of offensive coordinator, Sean Payton will run the offense. Joe Lombardi will probably wind up being the offensive coordinator. He of course was just fired by the Chargers uh, and replaced with Kellen Moore after that disastrous second half in the playoff game against Jacksonville
4: again Benjamin Albright joining us right now I'll give him a follow at Albright NFL Chiefs insider for uh, Chiefs insider Broncos insider for uh, KOA in Colorado there and I'm just thinking about the division here why I say Chiefs you have uh, yet again expected to be a very competitive AFC West next season and the Broncos at least have the benefit of playing a last place schedule bring that up because right after the Sean Payton hiring yesterday sports books here rest of country started taking tons of money on the Broncos in futures from 45 to one to win the Super Bowl now down to 28 or 30 to one at this point how close realistically are the Broncos going to be to being a Super Bowl contender heading into next year
6: well I wouldn't put any money on them winning the Super Bowl up I'll put it to you that way um yeah, I, I think that uh, they have the talent on this roster to be a playoff on football team, but they're not better than Cincinnati, Buffalo, or Kansas City at this point. Uh, and I'm not 100% sure if they're better than the Chargers, although they've uh, been able to beat them over recent years. So um, they need a, an offensive line overhaul. You've got one guy on that offensive line in Quinn Minerts that's uh, that's going to be there next year. The rest of them, Garrett Bowles, and maybe the rest of them will be gone. Uh Paul there. And and then this Russ and Sean Payton marriage, it it remains to be seen how it's going to work. You know, what Sean Payton runs uh, is a lot of in breaking routes in between the numbers. And Russ is at his best off play action, booting and throwing deep uh, and outside the numbers. And so, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how they marry that up and, and how well that works because it certainly didn't work with Nathaniel Hackett.
5: Yeah. Benjamin, I mean, Russell Wilson and that ego now with Sean Payton and that ego. I mean, what, that's what I'm going to with the co- competency thing with this ownership group. It's like, it's like they're chasing names and they gave up a ton uh, to have these two individuals uh, leading their franchise.
6: Well, yeah, that's kind of ironic because the owners are Walmart, and they should know about off-brand labels. I mean, Citrus Lightning is just as good as Mountain Dew, right? Um, <laughs> it does look like they're out there. It does look like they're out there, kind of label chasing a little bit. But, you know, that's that's part of the thing that bothered me. I'm like, wait a minute, does Sean Payton even fit Russell Wilson? You're tied to Russ for another year or two, and even then, you're going to take a huge cap hit uh, after that point to, to try to move on from him if you need to. So. Um, and then I look at Sean Payton, and I'm like, "Well, the last time he was in a Super Bowl, Josh McDaniels was in his first year as a head coach of the Denver Broncos." So, you know, I, I just, I look at this thing, and I'm, I'm not sure. Yeah, if you. Yeah, there's there's some brand names in there, but I, I'm just not sure how this thing's going to come together. And you mentioned the egos, and man, uh, I, you know, I don't know if there's room enough for those two, their egos, and the rest of a football team in that locker room.
4: Right. Yeah. It, it's amazing when you yeah. think about it from that perspective. Uh, last thing, real quick, before we uh, we let you go, Benjamin, as you break down, kind of looking in retrospect retrospect, the 2022 season for the Broncos, more on Wilson or more on Hackett. What's kind of the final say there?
6: I get blamed to go all the way around. Uh, the Broncos had a record in terms of injuries and injured bodies on the injured reserve. Uh, there was massive ramp dysfunction throughout the locker room because Nathaniel Hackett wanted to be everybody's buddy instead of being a head coach. Um, they, they had dysfunction on the field because uh, they had a whole lot of people who were, who were brand new to the jobs they were in. I mean, Clint Kubiak was the second most experienced guy on that offense. That, that should tell you something. Um, and then, you know, Russell Wilson, Russ came into, in a camp, a little out of shape, a little tubby. Uh, he had a couple of injuries throughout the season. You don't really talk about, but a, a partially torn hammy and a partially torn lat in the throwing arm. And that, that affected his throwing. We saw what he could do in the last two games of the season, with Justin out in there, but, um, you know, we'll see if they can replicate it this year.
4: Great stuff, Benjamin. We appreciate the time and enjoy the whirlwind. that's going to come here next a couple of weeks for you out in Denver. Yeah,
6: absolutely guys. Take care.
4: Thank you. All right, we're just getting started on this yeah. discussion because there's a lot. Benjamin opens up, brings up a couple good points, Mike. Yeah. We will break down further, get your thoughts on the Sean Payton to Denver hiring when we come back right here on the Lombardi Line.
0: You're listening to the Lombardi Line on Vsin with Ben Wilson and Mike Pritchard.
4: If you're looking for a betting edge on football's big game, the Vsin experts have got you covered. Become a Vsin Pro subscriber with an introductory offer of only nine dollars and ninety nine cents. VEASAN Pro subscribers get access to our daily recap of the top plays made by VsN show hosts and guests. Tools like our betting splits, deep dive betting reports, VEASAN betting guides for the biggest games of the season where our experts break down brackets, best bets, and all the big game props. Don't miss out on this limited time offer. Visit VEASAN.com slash subscribe today to sign up for only $9.99. That is slash subscribe. As we're back on the Lombardi line, a big thanks to Benjamin Albright joining us from Denver to talk things all Sean Payton hiring with the Denver Broncos. Mm-hmm. It's nice that I'm sitting next to a guy named <laughs> Mike Pritchard who played for the Denver Broncos once yes. upon a time. We can get some more insight into this situation and you're still very connected to the the Denver media, a lot of the people around that organization. Mm-hmm. How surprised were you to see Payton actually end up being the guy after all that?
5: I mean, the shock or surprise is not there because I knew that the Broncos wanted to go after somebody like this, right? I mean, if it wasn't gonna be hardball, um, the Peyton interview apparently didn't go that well because of the ego aspect of things. and um, But then, you know, the Broncos in that ownership group, as they tried again for hardball, uh, they pretty much had to save face, right? They, they had to, they felt like they needed to make an impact. Um, Russell Wilson advocated for Sean Payton. I mean, you had uh, Colin Coward out there advocating for Sean Payton. So uh, this is a profile that I think this ownership group wanted. But in reality, I, I don't know if the Broncos are any better uh, in, a, in a better situation. I mean, it, it, it might take more time than what uh, betters um, are, are hoping for if you're back in the Broncos right now. I mean, they gave up three first round picks, this according to CBS Sports, three second round picks a 2022 fifth round pick, Drew Locke, no offense, some other players, that's courtesy of CBS Sports, for Sean Payton and Russell Wilson. And we all saw what happened last year with Wilson Wilson, and I'll add this about Russell and that ego. You know, up in Seattle, and another former team of mine, mm-hmm. that's right. um, the rumblings, well. yeah, the rumblings about him elevating himself out of the locker room uh, and, and really developing a relationship with Paul Allen, who's passed away now, the owner, did not go well at all. And it continued. It continued to a point to where it was just, you gotta get him out the you gotta get him out the building. You know, Pete Carroll is like, we gotta get rid of this guy. I mean, uh, so here you got Denver who takes it over. And the first thing Russell does is he elevates himself out of the locker room by putting offices upstairs. And according to Benjamin Albright, who was just on the show. It wasn't the GM George Payton pushing for a contract. It was the ownership group. And then you had Russell Wilson pushing for Sean Payton. So it's, it's, here we go again. It's all, it's the Mm -hmm. same story again with Russell Wilson. And and I don't know if Denver is caught up in the headliners or the brand names like Benjamin Albright was talking about, uh, in hopes that their franchise is going to get better when the substance uh, of the Denver Broncos right now stinks. No offensive line, the the running back situation is horrible. Uh, They're talking about bringing Vic Fangio back, but I thought he took the Miami job, defensive coordinator. Uh, So what are you doing there? I mean, will Vic Fangio even go back there? I mean, it it is, from a betting uh, perspective, but more importantly, well, not more importantly, but equally as important, um, from a franchise standpoint, Mm -hmm. the competency thing is real, or lack thereof, of what this ownership group is trying to do.
4: And you look at where Russell Wilson is at, and the perception now, whether that's in the betting market or mm. just in general. And we saw yesterday all the flood of Broncos futures coming in oh. now down to twenty-eight or thirty to one. You might as well just light it, light a couple hundred-dollar bills on fire. <laughs> then, then do that. I mean, what's the point? You have a quarterback in Russell Wilson who graded as a bottom-five QB in the league last year. Now, do you want to sit here and say, okay, he had a historically awful head coach who had zero idea what he was doing and was over his head in Nathaniel Hackett, and was and was, was a quarterback who was injured most of the year. Because that, that to me, Mike, is the one excuse getting thrown out for the per- poor performance of Wilson, as if to say, well, now all of a sudden you assume he'll be in shape, you assume right. he'll be healthy, and he has a borderline Hall of Fame coach who has won a Super Bowl in Sean Payton coming in. Can you really make that leap, though? I mean, Wilson was objectively horrific in situations where, as much as you want to say about Nathaniel Hackett as a, as a poor in-game manager, mm-hmm. Wilson was still the one refusing to execute the most basic of plays, right. missing wide open reads. Oh, yeah. Yeah. How can you make the leap as if to say, well, hack, it was totally the issue. hundred percent. We assume Wilson will now be healthy. That warrants a super bowl bet. Right. It's lunacy. It's right. a waste of money. If you're a better actually betting the Broncos.
5: Yeah. Right. Not only that, I mean, are, are we to believe too, as betters that the system that Joe Lombardi and Sean Payton wants to run is going to be beneficial for Russell Wilson too, without a really good offensive line, uh, without uh, a decent running game. Um, Uh, You know, and those are things, okay, can the Broncos fix that in offseason? Like, if if a lot of things happen correctly for the Broncos in offseason with the draft uh, and through free agency, okay, maybe uh, there's more respect given to the Broncos. And, and, okay, that process is starting. I I would not jump in front of that process, though. Uh, Not at this point. Not at this point uh, uh, at all. Because I I think Russell Wilson uh, is going to require a lot of work um, for where he is and where he needs to get to. And Russell Wilson reminds me of that, the Greek freak uh, quote that resonates, and it still does. Uh, When you focus on the past, that's your ego, right? When I focus on the future, it's my pride. Focusing on the moment is the present, that's humility. I mean, it is like, how are you gonna get Russell to focus Mm -hmm. on the present uh, or his pride, which is certainly um, uh, his future uh, more so than his ego? of what he's accomplished and what he's done in the league so far. Yeah. I mean, that that right there, from an athlete's perspective and then from a gambling perspective, I think that's the shift you need to recognize. That's the shift Absolutely. that needs to happen. Russell, forget about that rearview mirror, man. Yeah, you were great. Yeah, you, you won Super Bowls and all this, but you are you stink right now. <laughs> and so from a betting perspective, if he corrects that, then okay, there's your information that I, I think you can uh, you can bet with, or certainly back to Broncos. And with. that's the thing we don't know right now. Will there be the Will there be the buy-in now? Like the Broncos get a last
4: place schedule, so that helps. But you're still in a division, <laughs> right? <laughs> Remember last year, this was the greatest division of all time, the yep. AFC West. And similar things will be said, maybe not to that degree, coming into this uh, coming off season. But the other piece I think about is okay, is is replacing Nathaniel Hackett with Sean Payton? Is mm-hmm. that is that at least from the raw number, is that worth shifting a team Super Bowl odds by a count of 15 to 1? You, you could you could make a case that it is yes. But yeah. We're getting the way the whole of Sean Payton discussion has been talked about, you would think this guy is is in the you know not in the Bill Belichick range, but a guy who you can you could throw any sort of personnel at him and yeah. you could say you're guaranteed to be at least in the postseason or or in Super Bowl contention. If I look at the numbers for Sean Payton, you know, very very good resume. 15 seasons as head coach of the Saints. 63 mm-hmm. winning percentage. Only four losing seasons. 15 years. Nine playoff appearances in 15 seasons. Nine and eight in the postseason. One Super Bowl. And uh, he had a quarterback who was pretty damn good that entire time. Uh, a guy named Drew Brees. So, and the personnel was, was always very, very solid. Did a great job turning that team around uh, starting in 2006. But the point is, with a guy who has the numbers like that, who are... Very, very good, above average among NFL coaches, mm-hmm. but by no means absolutely top of the line elites. Are we Are we assuming a little bit too much that he's just going to magically, after a year away, come in, go into a, a franchise he's never worked for before with a with a team that has a lot of issues, and immediately flip them into a Super
5: Bowl contender? It just feels like a bit of a reach. Well, he's an upgrade. I mean, if you well, want, yeah. he's an upgrade over Hackett. I mean, hands down, upgrade. I, I don't. I don't know what that translates into though, because. Um, i think the evaluation or the thought process even in dallas uh is he an upgrade over mccarthy probably not not with the situation because you think about familiarity i mean mccarthy has worked with dak prescott okay now all of a sudden okay you bring in sean payton to work with a guy that uh so here's that's that's what i want to get to with sean payton he worked and grew with drew, uh, uh drew Brees. you know that that was uh that was a partnership you know this is um, this is different. <laughs> I don't know if this is a partnership I'm or not, different. right? Uh, we'll find out if it is or not. But if it if it starts to develop into that, like I'm like I mentioned before, if it's not about the past and it's about the present and certainly your future, then eventually, yeah, it does get better. But I I would not jump in front of that process at all right now. It's
4: funny you bring up Mike McCarthy because if, if you asked most people and you said uh, Sean Payton would not have been a significant upgrade over McCarthy in Dallas, people would have said. You're insane. Uh-huh. You can't make that case. Uh, if you compare the numbers, though, so I just said Peyton, 63% winning mm-hmm. percentage, nine and eight in the postseason, only four losing seasons in 15 years as a head coach, one Super Bowl. Mike McCarthy, 61% win percentage, only four losing seasons in mm-hmm. 16 years, so one more, 11 and 10 in the postseason, <laughs> basically the about the same record as Peyton has, out one and 0 in Super Bowls, just right. like Sean Payton. The not as much as we love to like. Elevate Peyton as this godlike figure, and yeah. wow, he is the uh, an offensive whisper. and we love to just crap on Mike McCarthy because he kind of looks like an idiot sometimes in the sideline and makes some questionable in-game decisions. The records are, are basically the same, and they both dealt with very similar personnel in their time. They had above-average personnel yeah. with elite quarterback play. It's hard to really say that there's much of a difference. There.
5: One key word that favors McCarthy, though, is continuity. I mean, that's everybody's looking for that in the National Football League. Uh, when we see Kansas City back in the Super Bowl, uh, when you see the Eagles develop and, and bring it together, I mean, a lot of things uh, have has to do with continuity, uh, and that, that right there is essential.
4: So you're not betting on the Broncos to win the Super no. Bowl? No. <laughs> Former Denver Bronco, Brock Pritchard, he's not betting on his team to win the Super Bowl. Look, I, I, it could still very well be a, it should be a big upgrade. Will it be an upgrade enough for Sean Payton to win a Super Bowl? I have my doubts as of right now. How about the other head coaching hire, D'Amico Ryans, to Houston? What's his impact? We'll discuss next.
0: If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever.
2: From LinkedIn News, I'm Leah Smart, host of Everyday Better, an award winning weekly podcast dedicated to personal development. Whether you're looking for ways to shift your mindset or seeking more fulfillment in your life,
1: to start listening.
4: You're listening to the Lombardy Line on TSN with Ben Wilson and
0: Mike Pritchard.
4: Basketball fans can turn a loss into a win with the king of Sportsbooks. Just place a single first basket score prop bet on any NBA game. If your bet loses, you receive up to $25 back in bonus bets. Wager confidently and take your game to the next level with BetMGM, an authorized gaming partner of the NBA. Just log into your account or download the BetMGM app and sign up today. Then wager on any player to score the first basket in any NBA game. If your bet misses, you'll get up to $25 back in bonus bets. Turn game time into show time with BetMGM. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. 21 years of age or older to wager. New and existing customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non drawable bonus bets. Bonus bets expire seven days from issuance. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Mississippi, Nevada, or New York. It is basketball heavy season now that we're transitioning out of uh, mm-hmm. NFL. Right now in our studio, we have a game on NBA TV that looks right. That that, that looks right in your era, Mike. Uh, look, up, look up there. <laughs> Nuggets
5: Jazz. Yeah, different uniform right That's there. That's
4: got to right? be like, it looks like 90 ish mm. 1994 you want mm. to make a bet on a first uh first score Ah, <laughs>
5: uh, no let's not do that I don't
4: like, we're, we're, yeah. like wait watch when the when the uh see look at that the su- oh, they yeah. the, 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 had the graphic come up yeah anyway for those of you is that watching the third quarter? You can, uh yeah like <laughs> what's that. the third quarter anyway I just bring up mid-90s references <laughs> oh, to man. Mike since that was when you were in the NFL uh, mm-hmm. and with the, with the Denver Broncos which is funny yeah the, the thing the way that you always talk about how the league is such a circular motion everything comes mm-hmm. comes around again and we're having this discussion now with the Broncos new head coach. I'll get into it as well here with in this segment with the Texans new head coach, as well as what to expect from a play calling perspective in Dallas now going forward, where Kellen Moore is out. Mike McCarthy is calling plays for the first time since his final year as head coach for the Green Bay Packers when he was fired midseason and Joe Philbin replaced him as interim head coach there as, as the McCarthy era came to an end. How, uh, what, like, what's your read on the whole Dallas-Kellen Moore situation, more now offensive coordinator for the Chargers you are hired this week?
5: Yeah, I mean, to me, it just feels like, okay, the, the fit wasn't there, right? I mean, I think more importantly than continuity and trust, I mean, you have to have a fit. And, uh, you know, for Dak Prescott and Kellen Moore, um, it, it obviously didn't translate into a deeper run in the playoffs. Is it great in a regular season? Yeah, I mean... They had the number one offense a couple of years ago. They score a lot of points, and, and and Dak Prescott is a is a stat machine. But does it translate what you're doing offensively from a philosophy standpoint for wins in the playoffs? And obviously, what we saw, that's not the case. So McCarthy is now going to call the plays, which implies to me that uh, this is it. I mean, uh, yeah, I, I think okay, if I'm taking a reins, if I'm you know, if I'm up against it like this, okay, uh, then I, then I'm going to have more control of the situation. So. I don't know what he's going to do with with Dak differently uh, than Kellen Moore. I know Pollard uh, with the broken leg, he's got to come back from that. Zeke, his salary cap number probably going to be a reduction or whatever, and mm-hmm. um, and then offensive line. You know, can they stay healthy? I mean, outside of that, you know, Dallas Jerry Jones will always go after the best talent if he can get it. Uh, so if you're McCarthy, you're in a you're in a great spot, uh, but now it truly is all on you. From a game management standpoint now you're calling the plays so now you're going back to that version of a head coach and so um you know certainly i'm filing all that stuff away uh from yeah. a betting perspective File it
4: all the way right yep. now because soon enough once the <laughs> super bowl stretch ends and we get into the offseason and free agency starts it's it's we, we start the process again yeah. circular circular yep. motion it mm-hmm. never stops mike as far as the head coach that was hired in addition to sean payton in denver you get to miko ryan's going mm-hmm. to houston and as an organization that has gone through two straight, you know, veteran kind of lifer type coaches that were one and dones, David Cully two seasons ago, Lovey Smith this past season, to finally transition now to a young guy under 40 who's viewed as a v- very much a rising star in the coaching ranks, did a great job as 49er defensive coordinator the past couple seasons. Uh, how, how much of a, if you're talking about fit, Mike, Fit. How well does this work if it's Ryan's now going back to Houston, where he did start his career as a player?
5: Yeah, I mean he has that form, and you know, but more importantly, he has uh, experience too uh, in terms of coaching, uh, coordinating. Um, So it goes to being qualified and capable. Uh, It does, and and I I think D'Amico Ryan's is highly qualified and highly capable uh, of being a head coach at this point. Uh, Now, now it goes to to the organization and how bad this organization has been. Uh, dysfunctional, if you will, because of Cully, because of Lovey, and okay, now you get to uh, a situation in which you can grow with. Which uh, I applaud Houston for that. Uh, for D'Amico Ryan's being named head coach. In reality, too, the last two years, from a divisional standpoint, I mean, Houston has been competitive: three, two, and one this year inside their division; three and three last year inside their division, and that's with dysfunction. Um, they got to get a quarterback. Uh, they can also go out and get a bridge quarterback uh, for a couple of years if you need that for the, your your draft choice to grow or mature, or maybe it's just one year. Who knows? Um, but there's there's a foundation there. I mean, I think there's I think there's a path to a lot of success or immediate success mm-hmm. and uh, an accelerated success level, uh, if you will, down there in Houston with D'Amico Ryan.
4: What about the criticism that Ryan spent two seasons as Niner defensive coordinator, where he got to work with one of the most elite front sevens mm-hmm. in NFL history oh, yeah. in, in the San Francisco 49er defense. And that, that was really what's elevated to, him, to this position. That's the common criticism you're gonna hear. What would you say to that?
5: Well, that they need to duplicate that. They need to bring that philosophy to Houston and and you know he's got to get on the same page with Casario, I believe, right yep. still down there, uh, in terms of seeking out people like that for his system and, and people like that for for what he wants to do. I mean, um any coach out there, any great coach out there would tell you it's all about the players. Uh, and it's, it's no different than Raheem Morris, who was god-awful as a coordinator in Atlanta. Uh, but you go to the Rams and you got Aaron Donald and all these others, Von Miller and all that. Okay, now you're a hot coaching candidate too, right? So, yeah, I mean, I think the criticism is valid. Uh, I'm not going to discount that. But uh, for, for D'Amico to have a chance uh, with the GM to kind of bring and duplicate the talent level or or... Uh, the type of players that you're able to get up there in San Francisco. Okay, you, you got to be aggressive that way. And okay, here's how we do it. Uh, so that blueprint has to be in place right now. Right.
4: The, the concern for me, it's not just drop off in personnel, which is obvious anytime mm-hmm. you're going from an elite right. defense where you're a coordinator to a complete rebuild project. What concerns me is you have an organization like Houston mm-hmm. that has been so wishy-washy in their actual stated goals and desires. When you when you don't have the the, the internal organization to put yourself in a position where you're having to fire coaches after one year right. when it should be an obvious rebuild and you should never be in that position. It concerns me that Ryan's now has to come in as a sub-40-year-old first-time head coach and handle and delegate everything pretty much himself. Some coaches are much better than that than others, but for the most part, there's usually a pretty steep learning curve, especially for the really young guys. You saw it. I mean, Nathaniel Mackett mm-hmm. was the worst version right. of that. Even for a coach like Kyle Shanahan when he came to San Francisco, yeah. there were a lot of growing pains early. So I, I I worry about that that automatic struggle that you're likely going to have coupled with a lack of top end organizational vision and lack of personnel Houston does have a you know, bunch of really good picks they're going to pick very highly this year in the draft but a couple picks are, are will help but they aren't going to fix all the issues there in Houston
5: yeah no I, that's why it's essential for the GM head coach to be on the same page I mean um whether or not the head coach has power with personnel uh, you know who knows but uh, I think each and every situation is so different. Like, for instance, uh, in Seattle, like with Mike Holmgren when he arrived. I mean, he won a Super Bowl with Brett Favre, right? Um, but then he got back to a Super Bowl with um, Matt Hasselbeck, who was a third string, uh, third third string quarterback at one point. So, I mean, that's coaching. That's that's also un- understanding personnel and all that kind of thing. So, um, it, but that was a process too. I mean, it, it took Mike Holmgren a number of years to get to the Super Bowl in Seattle, obviously, but. You get Sean Alexander, you get, uh, you know, all these great offensive linemen too, and uh, you slowly build it that way. And then also it culminates into a Super Bowl appearance, you know, and um, I, that's D'Amico Ryans. I mean, that's how I would look at it with Houston. I mean, are we looking at Houston as a as a playoff caliber team? I mean, I'm not, I'm talking about being more competitive in that division, uh, right. but then also with a chance to finally get it right, because you're gonna get the coach and the quarterback uh, through the draft. Uh, as well as starting to build it in the right direction, so that's what I—that's how I'm looking at Houston.
4: Absolutely, that's how that's how the vision should be. Where you—you you have a chance, clean slate, mm-hmm. start. You're basically starting over. My question is, why why wouldn't you have done that two years ago <laughs> when it was staring right. you in the face? Yeah. Now, obviously, the Deshaun Watson yeah. saga kind of hung over that right. organization. Obviously, that, that black cloud certainly yeah. hurt, hurt them in more ways than one. But the division for the AFC South will be really interesting once we get into the offseason, when we get futures and win totals because. Indianapolis is viewed to be mm-hmm. in a complete rebuild. You have Tennessee, who was a, a team in good position because of superior coaching, but with shaky at best personnel, completely fell off the map. Seven straight yeah. losses to end the year, and now can you really expect uh, like you really have confidence in Jacksonville to to be that flag holder of a division when they're they're still a pretty young team, had never done it before, and essentially got on a nice heater to end the season. It, it's an interesting case to be made that the afc south could be more wide open than we than we maybe originally yeah i
5: mean ironically you mentioned vrabel who turned into to be a coach of the year i mean the same kind of thing former player he was out there in houston too but uh, a former player who accelerated and changed the culture immediately uh by rolling up his sleeves i mean the blue collar nature that vrabel brought to the titans was everything that they needed. And hard hat. Hard hat. Lunch hat, right. And Let's I think, go to work. I think D'Amico has a chance to do that immediately, too, with Houston. Yeah,
4: We're always trying to identify, especially in a year-to-year league like the NFL, which teams are going to make those immediate rises. I think right. our logical conclusion after this hour, Denver Broncos, as much as that's going to be a sexy team, <laughs> probably not one to make an immediate huge rise. Texans, look, the foundation is now there, but probably not in 2023. That is our number one of the Lombardi line. When we return, we get into the Super Bowl discussion. That's next.